1: Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
2: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Ferro, your host. Happy Labor Day weekend to you wherever you may be. Maybe you have left work a little early. I give you permission. You probably should go ask a boss, but I I give you permission. And uh, I don't have permission to leave early today because I will be with you today from three to five, like I am each and every weekday. It's great to be with you. And um, we are going to talk about some things today. And it's Open Line Friday. That means you get to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. You can send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com also. Also. And uh, don't send an email while you're driving. But, uh, you know, you can call if it's hands free while you're on the road. You you might be getting distracted by the fire in uh, Castaic or somewhere else. But uh, hopefully not. I hope you have some good plans and that you're staying cool. And we can talk about that. We can talk about a few other things. Is there anything in the news that uh, happened yesterday that uh, we should touch on today? Anything that we can think about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, no, there's a big thing. Biden's speech, of course, was the news of the of the day. Did you watch it? Uh, it wasn't carried on the uh, major networks. I don't know if that's where people would tune in anyway. It was on all the cable news and uh, radio. Um, I think you know, people are asking, why did the major networks not carry a primetime address? I think that the reason is is that it came across as a political rally, a very political speech and not sort of a speech – that the president is giving to uh, rally the nation. The Bidens might disagree with that, um, but um, a lot of people are are concerned about the speech as I was. I, you know, if you listen to our program, our program's different. Uh, we We strive to be different than your regular talk show because we can, on our show, Bring Jesus into the equation. We can remember that our hope is through Christ. That our hope is not through President Biden or or Donald Trump or any other figure that you might put up in that uh, role. Our hope is in Christ. So we get to do that, and we can challenge each other, even on both sides, to be careful about being hypocritical, be aware of uh, how we speak, and to realize that we really can be the difference. That the disunity that we have so badly in our country. The unity that we need will flow from our understanding of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us, and uh, what we can do uh, as we share that. There is so much of a deeper side to everything in our program. So when we talk about these things, we do try to be fair to the president, fair to uh, other people as much as we can everybody's got their opinions about different things, but we try to be be fair. Earlier this week, I told you that I was concerned Tuesday when they announced that the speech was going to be given and that it was going to be about the soul of America. Uh, that concerned me quite a bit as a historian, as a presidential, I was going to say scholar. I don't know that I should put that that high, that, but I do study the presidents a lot. I know a lot about the presidency i understand a lot of how things work that's why i can draw in a lot of history and different things when we have those conversations and it worried me you know any president giving that talk you know it's going to raise eyebrows going okay what's this going to be now if it's on the fourth of july and you're going to talk about the founding of the country and the declaration of independence and you know we have these faults but we also have these great goals and these great ideals that's pretty typical And a president giving a speech that would happen in front of an iconic place, a speech given, you know, at the Lincoln Memorial or a speech given at the Statue of Liberty, a speech like President Biden was giving last night at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. You know, the symbolism of that matters. It's uh, a lot goes into where you decide to give a speech. Do you give it in the Oval Office? Which speeches do you do that if you're president? Do you give it out in the Rose Garden? Do you give it on a campaign trail? Do you give it in a hotel ballroom with a crowd of your people? Is it a crowd of diplomats? Is it a crowd of uh, bureaucrats? You know, there, all those things get into it. It concerned me a lot. And I shared that on our program with y'all. And uh, it was what I feared. I don't know the outcome. I don't know what it will do politically for, for either side. But I I have thought a lot about it. Did you watch it? Did you listen to it? Um. What did you gain from it? Is there a a silver lining if you didn't like it, if you really liked it? Was there a part of it that you kind of wish you didn't say? A lot is being said about the backdrop and all of that, and uh, maybe we'll talk about that later. It's it's really the least important, but symbols and optics, they matter. Uh, It does matter, and uh, somebody's probably fired. We'll explain that a little while later. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. If you want to give a call and join the conversation, it is Open Line Friday, so you can talk about anything else. We'll change the subject for you today. I want to make this point about the speech that I think will help us even understand our faith a little bit. And if you're wondering how that's tied in, well, I'll show you. And this is this is the reason that I do not think it was a appropriate speech, that there's something missing. It's not, a, it's not inappropriate to call out certain things that he was bringing attention to. But I'll tell you what really I think is the problem, the reason that the speech is ultimately divisive, the reason that the speech is not one of unity, and that's what I was afraid of, that right now we need a speech... Of unity. We need our president to bring us together. And that is not what happened. Whatever the intention was, it was was not done well. Um, You know, one of the most important things that we do as Christians when sharing our faith, one of the most critical things that we can do when we're sharing our faith with somebody who is not a believer, with somebody who's a skeptic, or somebody who is just struggling with things, and we're going to share our faith— One of the most critical things that we should do, if you're sharing your faith, is to point something out about yourself, to point out your story, that you need a Savior, that the reason you believe in Jesus, that the joy you get from believing in Jesus, that the strength that you get from God, the reason that you have for hope. We're told in the scriptures to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. Well, that reason is a big part of sharing your faith, and it's to say, I am not perfect. I am a sinner. I was dead to sin. I cannot earn my salvation. I can't be a good person. There's nothing I can do to gain the righteousness that is required by cosmic justice for me to get into heaven. I can't do it. And that's such a huge part of our testimony as Christians. A huge distinction of our faith is that we all fall short of the glory of God, every one of us. And whenever you're sharing your faith, whenever the gospel is presented, that has to be a part of it. It is critical to do that. Because if you don't do that, then you run the risk of coming across as, I'm smarter than you because I've figured this out. I'm a better person than you. And so I have this grace from God that's not really grace because somehow I've kind of earned it. That if we do not share, that all have fall short, all fall short of the glory of God. If we do not share that with a person who is maybe deep in their sin and is thinking that God can't love me, if we don't share, hey, it doesn't matter, even if you aren't deep in that sin, God, you still need a Savior the same. We all come to faith the same way. There is nobody who earns it. There is nobody who is ultimately a good person, actually. All of us fall short. That is such a powerful thing because it's a great equalizer, right? Being able to say, Jesus... You know, did this for me, and you can then say, and Jesus did it for you too. And if you are greedy, if you're a liar, if you're a fornicator, if you're a gossip, if you're a murderer, if you're whatever you are, and you say, it, you know, whatever you are, you get salvation for the same reason that I do. When you can say that, it levels the field. Now, when you tell that story, maybe somebody doesn't like you. Maybe they hate your faith. They hate you for being a Christian. Jesus says that's going to happen. Fine. But you presented yourself not as one who is deserving any more than anybody else, not as somebody who is better than anybody else. You presented yourself as somebody who equally needed a Savior, and then you pointed to whom the Savior is, and that it's free, and you don't get it by education or by money or by background or anything else. You get it by grace through faith and that really works. And that tactic, while well, this other person has to accept it by faith, they might reject it. That's fine. They can do that. They can disagree. They can they can that's it's not fine, but they can have a different opinion. But you haven't presented yourself in such a way that you are not going to be liked except for the fact that maybe they don't like that position that faith that you have. This same thing works in every part of our life. If you work somewhere, And your boss comes in and questions you about something you're doing or brings the staff together and says, hey, you know, everybody, you need to stop doing this and you need to do this better or you're going to lose your job or there's some kind of threat, right? If you have that happen and then everybody who's an employee is sitting there going, saying to the boss in their head, will you do the same thing? Well, you are just as guilty, The boss loses respect. I had somebody working for me once and oversaw a different part of the the church and oversaw a bunch of employees. And this person was getting fiercely upset at employees taking lunch for too long, that they would take a lunch for instead of an hour, they would come back in an hour and 10 or an hour and 15 and threatening to fire, writing them up. You know, there were multiple things. Now, there's nothing wrong with that as a manager in that position. She needed to do that. The problem was, is that she would be gone for lunches for three hours and never had a no, she didn't have a problem with her doing that. None of the employees respected her, none of them. And it isn't that she was wrong about the things that she was saying, but because she didn't say, Hey, I need to work on this too. Hey, I've been taking lunches that are too long. It's inappropriate for me to be gone this long because she didn't say that she didn't have the support of her, her staff. She was a hypocrite, and everybody knew that. That's the problem here in the speech. 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you want. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. So we're talking about the Biden speech, and we've talked about it a couple times this week. We've prayed for the president. We have asked people to pray, and you should still continue to pray. Today, most people... Believe that it was not a a speech of of unity. If you agreed with a lot of the things he said, uh, you still know that it wasn't very unifying. Some people think that uh, you know you can call and say, "Hey, I think everything said was just fine." And I'm going to say this is the biggest thing wrong. There's a bunch of things I think that are that were wrong. Um, And I'm not saying that from a partisan standpoint. I'm saying it from the standpoint of leadership. You can't just do that. Even if certain things he said might have been true you can't leave out certain things. And he gave hardly any examples. And so it leaves people wondering, well, who exactly are you talking about? Which Republicans uh, are the bad ones? He said, not the majority. Well, does that mean 30 million, 35 million? Is it everybody? Who's a MAGA Republican anyway? Is it people who voted for Trump? 75 million? Is it people who have one of those red hats? Is it people who donated money? What, what qualifies you as that? And he gave some examples, and I thought, well, there's lots of people who voted for you who think that, actually. Are they a threat to democracy? And this was a lot of the problem. Probably the biggest thing, though, that he did wrong, and this is what I was afraid that he would do, is that he laid all the blame for political violence at the feet of one group of people, and he didn't say, our side has done it, too. He didn't acknowledge that the bulk of political violence over the past five or six years, especially almost all of it, not all, but so much of it, including recent things, the bombings and burning downs of crisis pregnancy centers, which has happened all over our country. The the violence, the threats that have gone out, the attempts at the life of Supreme Court justices, the the threats, the day day and night uh, protests and violence that went on for, what, 100 days in Portland? The burning of buildings, the the several people have died, the attacks on, on police, all of this stuff. And he doesn't acknowledge that. And that's the problem, that you cannot just say political violence is bad when you do it, but it's not bad when I do it. You can't say it's bad when the other side does it, uh, but it's not bad when our side does it. You can't ignore that. It would have been still probably an ill-advised speech for many reasons, but there would be something really good or better, I would say, if he would have come out and acknowledged, you know what, there has been a lot of violence and a lot of speaking of violence and all of it is bad. That would have been a lot better. And not doing that is what I was afraid of. Not saying, you know what, our side has done this too and list it out. And it's not just the violence, it's the election denials. If you think that just some people on the right have denied election results, you haven't paid attention to the last several years, many people on both sides, but a lot on the left. There's a 12 minute video of just people on the left denying election results in the past five or six years. And it sounds exactly like Donald Trump stuff. Nobody won anything in court. But it's the same stuff. Uh, This is Hillary Clinton, who multiple times, you can Google it, many, 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 many times, denied the legitimacy of the 2016 election.
1: There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed. History will discover But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like, whoa, something's not right here.
2: How's that different than what we hear? It's not. Now, they didn't. uh, Hillary supporters didn't attack the Capitol, but there were riots on Inauguration Day for Donald Trump. Massive riots. You can Google that. There were protests for weeks after the 2016 election. All over the place. Somebody, uh, there was a thing back then with some of the protests to block freeways, which I always thought was stupid because people are getting hit by cars. Somebody almost got killed in uh, San Diego at one of these protests. Stacey Abrams denied that the election was legit when she lost her election in Georgia. And she might have had, you know, she lists all these things. She thinks these things are, are wrong. But if you can't bring it to court, if you can't win somewhere, if you can't really prove it, Proving it is not saying it or proving it is not saying things were funny. Hillary right there says things are funny and maybe history will show it out. Okay, but she doesn't, there's no proof, none. And in this case, they took this dossier that the government knew was not real and a special prosecutor and went after President Trump for the first several months of his presidency for something that they knew wasn't true, that they knew was a campaign device, the Russian collusion thing. It is important for all of us. Now, for, you know, I'll just say this too if you are not liking this speech and you didn't like it that he did it at Independence Hall and he called the Republicans a bunch of fascists earlier in the week and stuff. Donald Trump called the left a bunch of fascists also in front of Mount Rushmore in 2020 on July 4th. You can go watch that speech. It's different. There's some differences. It was me, most of that speech was the appropriate speech a president should do on July 4th, but he took it aside. It's an election year. So we have to be careful about these things. A big lesson to learn here, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but I think that the, the frustration that so many people have with leadership in general, but with this speech specifically, but with things that both sides tend to do, is if we cannot say when it's true, hey, our side is guilty of the same or similar things. This is happening across the spectrum. This is happening on all sides. If you can't say that and it's true, then you're doing it wrong. That's not leadership. You are stoking the division. If you can't say my side is doing it when there are, 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 shells of buildings. There are dead people. When there is a congressman who was shot at a softball game a couple of years ago, when there are so many examples going both ways of violence and ridiculous things and calls for violence and people who are beginning to think that violence is okay. And I've heard it. I've heard it from both the left and right. It's not bad to be calling that out. And if you think that political violence is okay, it's not it's not Christian. It's also not what happened in the Revolutionary War. This is not a refounding. Yes, the founders of our country knew that they were probably going to cause a war by declaring independence. But they had a hope that they wouldn't. And they didn't start that war for that. They started a war for reasons that they wrote down. There is... This is important for us with our own testimony as believers. When we talk about politics, when we talk about these things, we, and something I'm worried about, maybe this is a question you can answer, has politics become the religion of our country? Have we, are we in a place where when our side is guilty, we just can't acknowledge it? You know, it is astonishing, some of the things, especially in the past couple of weeks, that uh, the Biden administration claimed, for example, that they were the ones getting the schools open and working so hard to get the schools open. That's nonsense. And there's like hundreds of videos and stories saying that that's not true. The you know, on the Republican side, all this stuff going on in Mar-a-Lago. What if Donald Trump is guilty of something really bad? What if it turns out that there's really good evidence that he really did not just hold classified documents that probably you know, he did that. But what if it turns out that he had some sinister motive and it wasn't just sloppiness or something silly? Uh, Are you going to believe it? Is Donald Trump right when he said that if I went out and shot somebody on Fifth Avenue that my supporters would still support me? Remember when he said that? Uh, It was kind of a silly thing to say. And then you go, I wonder if that's true. I hope that's not true. That can't be true about Biden either. We have an opportunity, I think, in our country right now. And I think Christians need to be the ones leading the way because we have an example, because we understand or should understand how deeply important it is to make sure that all of us fall short, how deeply important it is to make sure that we understand if we're gonna be united, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to do some good things, we deeply understand how important it is to know that all falls short, and that at at the end of the day, if you want to move forward, it doesn't matter a whole lot if somebody falls short more than you fall short in Christianity. that doesn't mean anything; you're still needing to get saved in the same way you might have bigger con- you know consequences to deal with, and there might be much bigger consequences right and left on some of these things going on this is This is a place where we really can make an example here can i encourage you to do that if you're talking about the speech you're talking about other things to make sure that we point out what is true but that we're humble that we realize that maybe maybe our side is guilty whatever your side is and that the way forward is to unite on the principles that are right on liberty on what is true justice What is the idea that our rights don't come from the government, they come from our creator. That's the soul of America. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, inalienable rights granted to us by our creator. Liberty, see that? Those things work for everybody. We might disagree on how to get there, and that's fine. We might disagree on how that is presented in some ways. We should be able to do that without so much division. We can do that as believers. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's Open Line Friday. We will talk about whatever is on your mind. You can call about a Bible question. You can call about something in the news, something that's on your mind to make a comment. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues.
1: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back,
2: everybody. Scott Furrow here, Southern California Live, in color. I always think of that with that music playing. You watch Police Squad, that old TV show? They always have the guest stars, and then they would have, and Rex Hamilton as Abraham Lincoln. It's a very obscure reference, but if you... uh, like that kind of thing. It's out there. Uh, That program, they would have a guest star. So it'd be William Shatner or somebody. And the funny thing about that program, there are many funny things about it. They would have these guest stars, these special guest stars, to be a big big name actor or somebody. That person would get killed in the first scene and it would have nothing to do with the rest of the show. So the credits would be rolling and it would say, and starring William Shatner. And then there'd be Shatner sitting in a booth or something and going, Hello, I'm, and then he gets shot, and that's it. You never, it has nothing to do with it. And a great show. Nobody understood it. It only made it six episodes. Uh, But then they made those naked gun movies. It's all the same characters as uh, that, most of the same actors. This is Open Line Friday, which is why we get to talk about stuff like that. You can talk about anything you want. Whatever is on your mind today, Open Line Friday. You can give us a call at 888-528-2557. This is the day that we will change the conversation just for you. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm afraid that this is something else we've lost as as a country. We were talking about Biden's speech before. There's a lot of different things we could say about it. You probably have different thoughts. But one of the things that happened, and during the speech that I always look for, whenever there's something kind of historic going on, whenever there's something that is off, when it's just a little bit different, some people on social media will, very creative people, will immediately get that something's off and they will publish a video or a picture or a meme of some kind that's acknowledging, hey, this is, this is off. And it is, it is hilarious, now the thing I'm asking is, have we lost our sense of humor because i don't I think a lot of people don't find even political humor funny anymore, and you know the issues are serious I get it the The speech is serious, the controversies are serious, it affects our lives it really really does but in the the speech wasn't even over yet when people were already making comparisons because of the you know if you if you really looked if you got the wide view of the speech, you're standing at Independence hall. In Philadelphia, and the sides of the building are in blue, and the middle is red, and it's supposed to be kind of white in the middle, okay? Red, white, and blue, and that's kind of the idea. But as the camera zoomed in, it's just Biden standing at a podium with these Marines behind him, soldiers behind him, and this big red light that looks like every bad guy in every movie and every shot you ever see of Adolf Hitler and, bad, and Kim Jong-un and all these people. And it's just bad optics, you know, that's what people are saying. And you go what are you doing and people started immediately putting out pictures that of you know star wars and other things on it and i laugh out loud at that but lots of people just get take it really personal i think that's something that's changed in our culture where we can't do that you know i'll make a joke about uh donald trump or somebody and somebody gets really upset it's like you know what We should be able to enjoy this. There used to be a time, remember when Saturday Night Live was hilarious whenever they would mock whoever the president was? Now it's not so funny, right? Because it's just become all political and it can't be funny. It's just very frustrating. And in both sides, Dana Carvey's George Herbert Walker Bush was hilarious. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's Bob Dole was the best Bob Dole ever. He just, mean a nasty, I Bob Dole. I know it, you know it, American people know it, we all know it. And it was hilarious. Chevy Chase, uh, as Gerald Ford falling down all the time, it was funny. Dan Aykroyd also was Jimmy Carter, and it was very subtle, but the funny thing he would do as Jimmy Carter is he got into the, the weeds and the details of so many things. they do like this call-in show, and and he would be talking about the, you know, a person would call in from the post office to complain about a new sorting machine. And the joke was that Jimmy Carter, as president, knew everything about the sorting machine. that Because he was an engineer, he was a nuclear sub-driver, and that he... That The fact that the president would actually help this guy over the phone fix the machine, it was hilarious. So the guy would call in and say it's jamming in certain ways, and Carter would say, well, I, I'm familiar with that machine. And if you just go down underneath the, the front panel, there should be a front panel there, and there's a red lever there. If you just click that lever, move it up, it should be fine. And then it fixes it. It was hilarious. I think we've lost that. And I think we've lost that in in some other ways. You feel like we just don't have the ability to laugh even at ourselves. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. I began to notice this as a, a pastor because I used to, I still do, I go out and when I speak at different places, sometimes people... Will invite me to come speak on some subject, and sometimes they say, here, we want you to speak on this topic, and I'll do the best I can with that. Sometimes they'd say, you know what, just show up to our college group or whatever and speak on whatever. Okay, so I'll, I'll do that, and usually if I'm going to speak on whatever, I will speak about um, one of the Solomon books, Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or something I, in Song of Solomon, or I will... I'll talk about discipleship, your oikos, the 8 to 15 people that God has purposely and providentially placed in your relational world. If you want to make disciples, those are the people. It works really well. It's biblical. I do the Proverbs one a lot. Love the Proverbs. If you read through the Proverbs and you you follow the wisdom in that book, you will, most of the time in your life, just have a better life. You're going to make better decisions. It's wisdom. It is right there. Well, when I do this with college, I used to do this all the time with college groups. And I got asked to do it a few different groups here and there. And I would do it frequently. And it used to be, it used to be that I could do that subject and call it, this would be the title. It was, I used to call it 50 Reasons Why People Don't Like You. Now that doesn't work too well if you're doing it with a senior adult group or you know most older people, but college students, it used to be that that was hilarious. Okay, back in the 90s, okay? And I would come in and then we would just whip through those proverbs. You know, are you a liar? Are you lazy? Are you and, and these are the reasons people don't like you. And the the energy in the room, and it was funny. People would laugh, and they'd point at each other. You know, you'd say, ah, yeah, you're that person. And people just had a, a blast with it. But at some point, it changed. And the last time I did proverbs with that subject was around 2005, and it totally fell flat. It just People didn't understand it all. they got their feelings hurt. they're like, "What do you mean? people don't like me and I realized that the culture had changed that the younger culture just grew up i don't know maybe that's part of the the Saturday night Live thing. We could laugh at ourselves, and suddenly people can't and so now I'll still go speak you know speak on proverbs, but I'm just going to call it the wisdom of Solomon or something just very generic because it just steps on it if, if people are just going to get offended. I mean, do you read the Proverbs? You probably should get offended. Some, if you read through the book of Proverbs, the reason somebody may not like you is in that book. And that's the reason it's in that book. You know, so what you should do is you go through that book. And the book is, in the first few chapters of it, a uh, father teaching a son about the ways of the world. It's brilliant. Every dad, about the time your kid is 12 or 13, you should go through that book moms, you should do that too with your daughters or dads with your daughters. You can change the language in it a little bit. It all fits. And then the rest of the book for the last 20, 21 chapters is just a whole bunch of little pithy statements about about life. And it'll teach you about love. It'll teach you about hard work and diligence. It will teach you about how to take care of your pets. It'll teach you about every little thing in life. And what you do is you you study that and you read it and you go, hey, I'm doing okay with that one, you know, yay unto the Lord. And then you'll read another one, and uh, your spouse will nudge you if you're reading with her because it's you. And the purpose of it is that we grow. The purpose of it is that we do get the conviction of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and then we we realize this is an area where I need to work with. And you know, I think if we don't take things too seriously, we can we can laugh at our. Are faults not to laugh at sin? I'm not saying that at all. Sin is destructive and it's going to kill you, you know. But if if you're a person and uh, who struggles with talking too much, and I'm a radio host, right? I got to keep that in front of my face all the time. Well, there's a lot in there about our words and how powerful our words are. If you are, you know, somebody who gets angry, there's a lot in there about anger, and you kind of laugh at different things. You know, yep, I I shoot my mouth off too much, and I do this and that. Uh, We have a Savior. We're forgiven. We have this great book of God's wisdom to help us with things, and we should just be able to enjoy it. I think that the Bible is a book that, while even in the places where it challenges us significantly, we should be able to enjoy it. And if you read something in the Bible that you think is funny, well, maybe it's intended to be funny. Some of the Proverbs are hilarious. And it's just the way it is. Have we lost that? I hope we haven't. You know, as we talk about the president's speech and people are sort of mocking the background of it, you know what? There's somebody who was in charge of that. There's somebody who uh, um, said, hey, this is going to look great, red, white, and blue. And uh, the next day there's some meeting where somebody's saying, did you intend to uh, make the president look like Snoke from Star Wars? Um, that's, you know, there. It's funny. And it doesn't mean that, that you're being mean. It's just there's something funny. to. I think we need to get that back. In fact, I think a sign to me, a sign of the struggle that we have in our country is that we it's harder to laugh at each other, not laugh at in a bad way, but to laugh at in an enjoyable way. Harder to have self-deprecating humor. We take things so personal. Can I encourage you if you're if you're dealing with that? You know, it's just, we can enjoy our life so well when we have Christ, when in our own failures, in our, in our I'm, and once again, I'm not saying sin is funny, but the fact that we struggle with things, it can be kind of, you know, if you just take it as, hey, this is real, this is what I'm laughing at, and yep, I need to work on that, ha, ha, ha. I think that's better. Got any thoughts on that? It's Open Phone Friday. You can call about anything that's on your mind. We will change the subject just for you on Open Phone Friday. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. You're listening to Southern California Live. We're on every day, Monday through Friday from 3 to 5. The number is 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues.
1: Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812.
2: Welcome back, everybody. I am Scott Furrow. It is Labor Day weekend. I hope that you have some plans. I hope that you get the day off on Monday. I know a lot of people work weekends and you got to work holidays. That's the way it goes uh, very often. But then's the break. Thank you, Boris. But, uh, you know, for I think most people, you get the time off. And uh, hopefully, if you don't even get the weekend off, hopefully you get to make it up some other way. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get like a floating holiday, right? You get some other time off. Hope that's working out for you. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's Open Phone Friday. That means we will take your call on any subject. It can be something in the news, something that is a Bible question. Comment that you want to make. You can join the conversation by calling eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Richard in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, Richard.
3: How you doing today?
2: I'm good. Happy Labor Day weekend.
3: Thank you. All right, well, I'm looking forward. I yeah, need that day.
2: <laughs> what's on your What's on your mind?
3: Oh, well, you were talking earlier about you mentioned. Uh, are we? Letting politics become our religion, mm. um, I just wondered like what what are politics and I believe it's uh there's an argument of the right way to govern people resources finances um, what not and uh that, and so that's we have the two sides, the two parties, and there are they basically debate what's the proper way to do this and so to me they're trying to figure out what's right which is the same thing that I guess we as Christians are always trying to do and we follow Jesus Christ and we use that as our as our base for uh what's morally correct. So from what I can see there's there's one party that believes in a little bit more coercion and force. When I when I think about how does uh God govern his people and one of the key elements of that is agency we're not forced to accept him, we're not forced to do what's right we're allowed to choose mm-hmm. and I see one party that does likes to make excuses and remove consequences for, for behavior or, or, or whatever and another party that um, well, tries to prevent things like, for instance, killing, you know, obviously killing is not acceptable. So that's against the law and shouldn't be allowed. Um, and so we have like, for instance, the abortion debate where, you know, and, and we will be accused of saying, you know, we're forcing people to live a certain way. Mm-hmm. Well, it comes to that, that's the line we draw. You, You can't steal, you can't, hurt people or is the other wants to force me to say drive an electric car <laughs> or, or, or other things like that and so I, I, I just see the two parties um, separated in that way.
2: Are either party yeah. effective in governing right now in bringing pe- effect- in bringing people together to move us forward as a nation? Because part of politics, well, you said the difference between politics and faith. The thing is with our faith is that we have a greater word from God, so we don't have to just accept the word of uh, some pastor or some self-appointed guru, right? We have Jesus Christ, who we believe is God, and the word of God that is the word of God. And so our our work is to interpret that correctly and believe that that is true. In politics, there's a debate about how to govern when it's healthy, uh you you debate somebody wins the argument with facts and data and uh we all move forward together uh is is that happening at all really right now or is it more about you know have we lost the ability to even acknowledge that maybe the other side has a point
3: some of us have some of us haven't i guess a, a lot of us have lost that ability they're mm-hmm. really polarized um, i believe, I believe even in the church is separated to some point obviously we have all these denominations that disagree on an interpretation of the correct interpretation of the bible yeah um so there's some division even there (laughs) yeah and and and, you know you've got a a progressive christianity forming and and boy that's creating a, a divide too so um but i just believe that we're you know we're trying to figure out what's the right way to govern and and we're not agreeing
2: on that. And, well, I think that's a place that we need to pray. That's kind of where I was getting at with my question earlier, is politics becoming a religion, a, a matter of faith, where whoever the leader is in our party, whichever party you're in, is have we come to some place where that person's just never wrong? They can't do any wrong. And, and you know, that's what I think the extremes in both parties maybe are doing. Um and that is that makes it really hard to move forward because nobody's a hundred percent right uh there are certain things where people are definitely wrong right there's data there's there there are realities in policies that actually affect people's lives and eventually you know
3: um i spoke spoke to you about this once before about uh pride being the the great sin mm-hmm. and how pride looks. Sideways to man and argues who is right as opposed to humility, which looks up to god and and asks what is right,
2: yeah all right
3: yeah. we're doing a lot of that sideways, yeah, who is right
2: richard, I think you're right, and the ultimate thing is is we're not we're not reaching out to to the lord right there are there are things that are happening right now, one of the things that uh the president said in his speech uh that that kind of um, made me laugh. He said this.
0: Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal.
2: Now, now that phrase I think we can all agree with that. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Like it's just uh, <laughs> it's crazy our country right now. The problem is is we're not we're not agreeing on what should be be normal. And um and I think that's because so many people are not you know, we're we're not going back to, you know, first of all, we're not trusting in the Lord, and secondly, we are, we're eliminating, you know, in our philosophy, our modern philosophy, we're eliminating Genesis 1 through 3. So if there's no creator, and there's no male or female, if there is no fall, there's no sin, if you take that out and just eliminate that, then things are going to be nuts, then things aren't going to work too well. And I think that is driving our philosophy in such a way that how in the world, if there's no absolute, if there is no truth, then you're not going to have values, you're going to have um, a country that just tries to win. And uh, regardless of whether or not that person can govern or not. And that's a that's a really big deal. I think I think we're going to get hit pretty hard. I think we're already getting hit the inflation, you know, personally, I believe that is because of the government spending that both parties have done over the last several years, um, the deficit spending, it's going to catch up to you. And, you know, eventually reality is going to smack you in the face. Eventually reality uh, hits you. It's open phone Friday. The number is 888-528-2557 on Southern California live Donna in orange. Welcome to Southern California live.
1: Yes. hello. good afternoon, Scott. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't mean to get off the subject. No, you can do that but, today. It's Open uh,
2: Phone Friday. Go ahead.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm calling in regards to the ban on gas-driven vehicles by 2035.
2: Right. In California, you will not be able to buy a new gas-driven vehicle in 2035.
1: That's right. That's right. Now, for myself, I don't want an electric car. Mm. I don't want an electric car.
2: Yeah. Why don't you and, want one? Uh, like, if someone were to sure. give you one, do you not want it?
1: Nope. Why is that? No, I just don't care for for that type of vehicle. And uh, you know, they, they've been having flex alerts since this heat wave started. Yeah. Because the air conditioning overtaxes the grid. Well, you know, they're going to have to do a lot of make a lot of changes before the grid can handle all of these electric cars. Yeah, and who's gonna, who's going to pay for it?
2: Well, well you who's and you and me it? and uh, we're all paying for it, Donna. Let me ask exactly. You, yeah, let me ask you this, Donna. If if all that were to work out, let's say in twenty thirty five, the grid can handle it for one reason or another. Uh, would you still want one, or is it not something you want at all?
1: It's something that I do not want at all.
2: Okay. All right. I appreciate that, Donna. Thank you for your call. Uh, you know, one of the – I read this article where there, um what it was talking about is how selfish we are for wanting cars that might drive more than, than the 300 miles you might get out of your Tesla or the 150 miles you might get out of the electric charge and some of the other calls – And, you know, that was one of the things that frustrated me about it. I'm fine with an electric car if it'll do what it needs to do. Like for me, one of the issues is I'm a commuter, so I'm going to have to charge it all the time. But the biggest concern to me is, well, what if I need to go out and see my folks all of a sudden in Phoenix and I don't have enough charge? Do I have to wait? Do I have to wait overnight? What if there's a family emergency? The article is talking about you know people shouldn't have to drive 300 miles anywhere so why do we care about this and i'm thinking i think a lot of us want to drive 300 miles um and need the ability to to do that and you know maybe by 2035 the cars will accept a much bigger charge and you know that would be better or it can be charged faster i don't know but you know there there are a lot of different things to consider obviously with with all of this and of course the electric grid it's got to be able to handle it uh, it is funny to have the, the announcement of the ban come out and then the next day have to say, don't plug in your electric car. We don't have the electricity. That is a problem. All right, you're listening to Southern California Live. We'll be back a, for your calls in the next hour. It's open phone Friday. Anything that is, there we go, anything that you would like to call about, anything you would like to call about, you can give us a call, 888 You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. The Friday edition of SoCal Live will continue